Welcome to the KDB Review Podcast. My name is Andy Davis and I'm your host for the next half hour of this award-nominated podcast. Yes, that's right. This very show that I'm sure you've listened to all 152 episodes of has been shortlisted as B2B Podcast of the Year at the annual Publisher Podcast Awards. I'm very excited about this, as you can probably tell. We find out whether we've won at the end of April. So everyone cross your fingers for us and thank you for your support just by listening. So coming up this week, we're looking at one of those questions that unfortunately doesn't actually really have an answer, but it does keep niggling and bothering the back of the industry brain no matter what. And it's simply this. Are you a designer who sells or a salesperson who designs? How important is it for designers to have straight-up sales skills? And should they be trained in that specifically if they don't? Or should the creativity of the designers themselves do all the selling? We'll be talking to Johnny Wing from KCA in Berkshire, and we also have the return of KBB Review columnist Toby Griffin. But first... Now listen, I'm going to let you, our loyal podcast listeners, into a little inside secret. It's the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards on Thursday, April the 20th in Cardiff. That's not a secret. No, the scoop for you is that we are a hair's breadth away from selling out. There is genuinely only a few seats left before we close the door. So if you want to take one or more of those seats, then you need to do it now. I'm serious. Do it right now. Pause this, but clearly come back to it. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards and you can find out how to book. Honestly, I'm really not joking we're this close right let's see if we can square the circle of designers and salespeople with my two guests for today first up we have johnny wing the commercial manager and very accomplished designer for kca there in berkshire hello johnny hello andrew how you doing i'm doing well thank you and we have toby griffin kbb review columnist consultant sales trainer many other things hello toby hi andrew i'm gonna be on formal terms as well like johnny i think we should in which case i'm tobias by the way well look up north i'm andrew down south i'm andy that's usually how it works <laughs> so let's start uh johnny you're the new boy here let's start with the brief overview of kca for those that may not know you give us the 20 second intro yes yeah, so we're kca we're a 30 year old second generation kitchen company we supply the trades and private clients and ultimately try to give people their dream kitchens and add value to their homes and that's fantastic because you do do a bit of everything there you have lots of different clients not just mr and mrs smith but also construction and builders and developers and all that Absolutely. kind of thing so the clients the people you are selling to are very wide and varied and you are the commercial manager there the word commercial is in your job title yes yeah. but you are also a very excellent designer too it's very kind <laughs> Well, I'm here to flatter. <laughs> Let's go right in with the big question. Are you a designer who sells or a salesperson who designs? That is a good question. Either way you look at it, there's sales involved in it. So I'd say I'm a designer that sells personally. Right. And you have a whole team there. So is that what you think they are too? And what would they say if you asked them? Yeah, I, I think if I look at the whole team, we... I mean, when we're we're recruiting as well, you know, we always look for people with a design background. They've got to have an interest in the industry and they've got to be keen about design. If you look at the the downsides, if you're looking for just a salesperson when we've done things in the past, sometimes you struggle with the passion for design. And that feels like it's harder to train. Whereas if you have someone that's passionate about design, they can always get involved and they can always at least pass that kind of enthusiasm onto onto whoever it is they're speaking to. And sometimes that's half the battle. So if you partner that all with uh, with a good product and um, a good service, I think we can kind of train people on that. And we have a good customer journey as far as we're aware. So yeah, I think if you've got the passion for design to start things off, then uh, you're in a good place. 
Well, look, Toby, what do you think? Because I, I would be very surprised if anyone in kind of the independent market gave a different answer than that. But what do you think? I mean, surely sales skills an integral part of being a practicing kitchen or bathroom designer. Absolutely. And, and I thought it was really interesting. A couple of times there, Johnny used the word passion. And being passionate is, is one of, of sales skills that you should have. If your client believes that you think what you, you love what you do and you love your design, they will too. Absolutely. So funnily enough, I think it, just actually loving what you do is, is a, a good way towards being a good salesperson. That's a question that has no answer, if you don't know what I mean, the kind of are you one or the other, because there's no such thing as it being that black or white or absolute. But would you ever do any actual sales-specific training for your design team, you know, how to close a sale? Would you ever do anything like that with them? Yeah, we do here. But, but I guess that is only one part of all of the training that we're looking at. When you say sales, we're looking at communication, we're looking at empathy, listening skills are very important, how to build rapport. And I think if we go back to the start, if you find someone who's is able to build rapport with a client, then that's always a really good starting point. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're in the markets we work in, when you're speaking to trade builders, developers, interior designers, then you get down to the nitty gritty at some point and you need to be able to handle yourself in those situations. So whether it's objections, whether it's someone's trying to, you, trying to barter on the price, you don't necessarily have to you know, negotiate <laughs> but it's also it's always trying to be able to have a clear head in that moment and be able to justify the value that you're including in that in the design in your offering in construction these people have a budget the more that's left of it the the better so you need to be able to hold your ground and at least have a sensible conversation around it in your experience, Toby, are designers you meet reluctant to do sales training? Do they see it as a bit of a dirty word, I suppose is what I'm yeah. asking. Yeah, literally the word sales is seen as being, you could just be selling a sofa. But rather than use the word sales, I prefer the word people skills because that's what it is. People who are great salespeople are great with people and it can be taught. I've had people who aren't naturally good at it, but with some training and guidance. For example, report the classic one, when, when somebody works, walks into the showroom, you make the comment about, oh, is it still raining outside? And those icebreaker type things for people to whom it doesn't necessarily come naturally to them, you can literally say, just say this in this situation. And they do, and it works really well. And then they get to be what they're perhaps stronger at, which could be as a designer, but you, you're able to, to build up enough of that on the sales side and the people skill side. But conversely, I have successfully taught people who aren't born designers, but are born salespeople to be okay designers. I think on both sides, I've, I've generally started with somebody new that is either obviously from a design side first or from a sales side first and managed to work hard enough to get the other half of them up to a reasonable enough standard, allowing what they're best at to not be let down by the other half. What about clients? What do they think? Do they act differently if they perceive they're dealing with a designer and not a salesperson? The short answer is probably yes. As you were saying, you know, sales is a dirty word. And I think everyone has that image in their head of a pushy salesperson that doesn't care about anything but getting to the finish line. And, and I think that that's probably a really important point is that you can be called a designer, but if your character traits are of that person that doesn't listen, you know, is only thinking about themselves or their outcome, then that title's quickly going to wash away. But I think that if you partner the name and the title of a design consultant, which is what we have here, and they have good people skills, good communication, all of the stuff that we're talking about, then the end goal is really to get the best for the client. I think that probably what you're looking at when you speak about this kind of topic or, or and title is really what's the actual outcome for the 
for the individual, the salesperson. And this is where going back to that, having the passion about design as well, is they want to see their design come to life. So it's not just about the money. It's not just about the incentive, but it is about seeing something actually reach a finished point and change people's lives, which is obviously what where you make lots of memories is in the kitchen. Johnny, I know what I would say to this, but how many times have you refused to do something for a client? It's happened. Yeah. It's hard, uh, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is the thing. It's people will categorize this as sales, but I think you, you have a client who's come to you for a reason. They're interested in, in whatever you're doing. And I think going back to what I was saying about empathy, you know, being able to empathize with someone in that situation where it might be the first time that they've done it. They walk into a, you know, a big showroom. It's, it's empty and, you know, they're sort of waiting for someone to come out. It's a, they don't know what questions to ask. They don't know where to start. You know, if you put yourselves in their shoes, they probably don't want a big salesperson coming over and ram product down their throat. But really, if you can make that journey and, and help them along, and I think that designers or salespeople, you know, I'd also look at our team as advisors and guides. And if you look at our testimonials and reviews, the thing that's really resonated for our clients or the thing they kind of admired most is how we advise them along the journey and how we guided them. I wouldn't say any of that kind of comes into this sales topic. You say that, but that is exactly <laughs> how I that is how I teach people to sell in this industry. Is I say don't sell at people, you be with them. And I say it sounds really cheesy, but I say imagine in your head you're standing next to them side by side, you take the hand and you carry them through and everyone goes, "Oh god, that's so cheesy." <laughs> yeah. And it is, but I said mm. just if you put if you actually think with that head on, then the customer, client, believes you and believes you. And the way to do it is to actually, like you said, be an advisor and a guy. Mm. I mean, just perfectly on that note, I mean, we have a, a kind of phrase that we, we throw around here, which is, you no, know, it's not selling if, you, if you're giving them what they want. And I think that that's probably where we really try and focus is if you can really understand your client and ask the right important questions. Why is it important to them? Why are they doing this? Are people of a journey where you're going to tear your house apart and spend thousands of pounds? Why are they doing that? If you can really understand them, this is where the design skill comes in, when you can translate that into something which reflects them and they can you know, show off and tell their friends and all this sort of stuff, then you're on that journey with them and you're collaborating with them. And, you know, and you're not just selling because you have to, or, you know, because, you know, you're just that pushy salesperson, you know, it's a completely different experience and a completely different approach. Is this about the, the name, the language of it all? Are we blurring the lines here between sales and, and customer service? Are we confusing the two things? I tend to associate customer service rightly or wrongly with post-sale in terms of those words. But I think what you mean perhaps is being at service to your customers. One of the things that I, I don't spend as much time on as most people think when I'm doing sales training is closing. Because if you've done everything right up until the point at which we come to the, where the deal's done, the close is the easiest bit. Whereas I think at the lower end of almost any market, particularly, particularly furniture as well, the close is the big thing, you know, the objection handling. If you've got objections, then really you've done something a little bit wrong a bit earlier in the process. So having built the rapport, like you said, creating urgency is another fascinating one as well. And this is where the guide bit, as you talked, you know, earlier there, Johnny, is that you can explain to somebody how long it takes for something to be finished and you work backwards from snags, installation, 
delivery, ordering. And before you know it, you can actually say to them, so in fact, what you think is something six months away, we actually need to get this designed and almost agreed in the next month. And you're not you're not lying to them, you're not selling to them, you're telling them the absolute truth, but you're actually helping them understand the process. Now, it happens to create some urgency, which is obviously great because they're more likely to order more quickly, but they also trust and are glad that you've actually said this to them. So they feel like you know, you've done it with integrity. So those are the type of sale, subtle sales techniques that even the smartest person in the world, they don't feel like they're being sold to, they're just being advised. Johnny, do you think you're, I mean, obviously you operate in a different, completely different sector of the market, but do you think you're almost slightly on the back foot because of the mass market of, of kitchens, for example, is very sales driven in the big multiples? It is very kind of 50% off here, 30% off this, free appliance pack, very, very heavy sales technique. Do you think customers are almost half expecting that when they come in to talk to you for the first time? Yeah, I mean, when you were asking that question, my, my head immediately went to those big 50% discounts and all, all of that sort of stuff. And I think that when you come into an independent company or, or an independent kitchen company, then there's sometimes an expectation of that level of, well, don't believe in the, the, you know, the figure that they're showing today because I'll just, you know, I'll ask him in the last meeting and we'll get X amount off. Yeah, you, you do have to kind of play against that sometimes where, you know, it comes to that crunch time and they're expecting something which is much greater than what you can give. You know, as a, as a company, we put our best foot forward from the off and really, you know, it, it, if you see our location, you know, we're in a warehouse in the middle of a field. We're not on a high street. We do whatever we can to use our buying power and all that sort of stuff to have a good offer and deliver good value. But at the same time, you know, you have people coming in being like, well, can I get 50% off? Can I do this and pay later and all of this sort of stuff? So there's a lot of different ways that these uh, slightly larger companies try to create an easier buying situation for the for the client. What they're doing is they're creating the urgency that I say that is actually available there already. Yeah. Um, if you've got fitters that are booked out for the next four months, in March now, if we say, oh, well, our, our fitters are booked for the next four months, going to be July. And they say, but if we take two months over this process, it's not still going to be July. Mm. It's going to be Christmas. September. <laughs> oh, Christmas. Exactly. Just say the C words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that we always try and focus on as well is just helping the client reach a decision. You know, if I look at myself as an individual, making a, a commitment to a specific decision that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. It's not something you want to do quickly. So I think just being that person that can answer those questions and, and just help advise them, because I think if you try and get to the questions that they're going to have, you know, my, my husband might not like it. Trying to understand why their husband might not like it, but how unhappy is that going to make you? And, and just, just helping them try and reach and overcome some of these internal barriers that they have, which could stop them having what they actually want. John, have, have you ever heard of a single sitter and a double sitter? Tell me, tell me more. No, it's, it's, a, it's a real old school thing is that you don't get one of two partners together to try and make a decision. Right. So, so if you, you say, okay, would you be free on Thursday? And they say, yeah, oh, but my, you know, my other half won't be. You say, okay, well, when will they be? Because you know what it's like. And I've been there is that you just go around in circles with them saying, I need to go back to speak to my partner. And the thing just drags on and on and on. So uh, again, this is the sort of subtle techniques that no one would actually really notice. But um, you actually say, okay, when, when would you both be available? And you go, well, we could be available on a week later. You go, we go great. You know, it's, I've lost a week in a way, but I will get some decisions made on the day. At the end of the day, Johnny, right, you're a business and you're there to make money. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, that's clearly a very positive thing. So you have people who, who have high conversion rates and people who don't. And that's just the nature of, of the way people work. Would you rather have a fantastic designer with a low conversion rate or an average designer with a high conversion rate? <laughs> 
That's a... <laughs> it's quite an obvious answer. No, I, th- I think look, at the end of the day, we are a business. Everyone knows that a business at the end of the day needs to sell a product to run. Otherwise, you don't have a business. So naturally, to ensure that that designer or the individual can get a return on the amount of investment that they're putting in, people put a lot of effort into designs. I think it's overlooked how much time it takes to actually put a design together for for a client. You know, it can be can be a day's worth of work, and sometimes be more. And people don't see what happens behind the scenes. And I think that really, if you can you can have all the best designs in the world, and they can be amazing concept sketches, but at the end of the day, it's not going to change anyone's lives. If they stay in a, you know, sat in a drawer or a filing cabinet anywhere, these products need to get into people's homes and these designs are only going to have an impact if they're being lived in. So the long answer to that question, I guess, was that. <laughs> well, Joe, you know, I'd agree. I, I, I got about 20 years ago, I was writing up contracts because I actually, I did a degree in human resource management. So I come at both selling and design from a people oriented approach. Uh, so I was just, I was introducing contracts into a company I was at there and, um, I was trying to work out what title they should have because at the time they were loosely described as salespeople. And I didn't really want that on business cards, things like that. It felt, a, you know, a little bit pushy, but equally, I didn't want the sales team thinking they were just designers because you think, well, then that isn't actually stressing the importance of sales. So I started coining the, the term sales designer, which I noticed is, is relatively common these days. And I'd say to them, you're 51% sales and 49% design, which basically means if you're a great salesperson and a bad designer, you just keep your job, right? Just. But if you're the world's best designer and you can't sell, unfortunately, I can't keep you on. And and also I have had people who are great salespeople and, and terrible designers. And what we've done is I've got, I've got colleagues or even myself to come in and, and literally tweak around with their designs and get them better because it's easier to do it that way sometimes than, than try and do it the other way around. It's really hard, isn't it? Because designers tend to be motivated, I think, by the creativity of the process, right? But salespeople tend to be motivated by the commission, the the money. So is it possible to incentivize designers to be motivated to be better salespeople, even if it's not something that they fundamentally believe that they are? There's probably no one size fits all. I mean, you know, we've got some examples here where we've had people that were sort of in that designer position, that frontline designer position working with the clients and actually had brilliant skill set, but actually they had to transition or they ended up transitioning into a different role in operations or installation because their skill set really just sat better with with that. You know, you kind of, you still need to start with the desire about design. If you have that desire, you have that passion, then you can at least translate. And I think that probably if you're a good communicator and you're personable and you're, and you're passionate, I think that can get you a long pass of the way. So if they could care about design completely, there's probably no number on it that you can put if they don't want to talk to anyone. I've had people who, who are very good designers that when a customer walks in the showroom, they run a mile. But I, and, I, and I think that that's the thing. If you look at a designer sales or you know this kind of position that we're talking about, um, they often really enjoy having that relationship with a client. They often really enjoy speaking to people, finding out more about their, their individual journeys and their holidays and their family and all that sort of stuff. So you need to have that want to communicate. And again, you do sometimes get that with a lot of creative people. They want to learn more and understand more. And then if that can then be translated into design, brilliant. And then I guess, yeah, the only thing is then you might have to do a little bit of training here and there on just, you really enjoy speaking to the client, but when they ask you for <laughs> it, for, for, for half the price that it should be, then you, know, you also need to be able able to address that in a sensible way and be able to justify why it is where it is. Again, sort of early in the pitch, I will often say to people, uh, by the way, we don't play the silly games that certain brands out there will do. But that's just the kind of thing a salesman would say. Exactly. Toby. 
It's brilliant. It's like a sort of reverse psychology. But the thing is, it is actually true as well, which is one of the lovely bits about it. And so it, what you're basically saying to them is like, don't haggle with me at the end and I'm going to give you the straight price. And, and it works 99% of the time because they say, oh, right, okay. What the customers are worried about getting ripped off, they're worried that they're going to leave and then realize that they could have got five grand off it. But if you say, I'm not going to be doing that anyway, then they're actually slightly relieved. They say, oh, right, okay, well, that is your price. So I don't have to play these stupid games at the end. And then they don't play the stupid games at the end. And you haven't wasted your time. You don't get to the point of having done a lot of designer specification. And then the person says, yeah, okay, so how about that 50% off? You've, you've already had that discussion really early. And, it, and you said it's not going to happen. That's why it cleans up the close because you've covered all those bases much earlier. Well, for, for us as well, I mean, as a business, we don't have sales. And again, I think there's an honesty to that. We put our best foot forward. We don't have sales. You get the same price if you come in in January as you would in December or any any month between that. Because really, it's, it's, it's unfair. If you had someone come in and you offer them the best deal in the world, a 10% off or whatever fee you want to make up, and then the next person comes in, doesn't get that or, or you know, or doesn't ask, then it's unfair on... You know, it can vary every single time someone comes in. It's, it's unfair on someone along the journey. Absolutely. But in this generating urgency thing, just to, sorry, just butt in there, is you do actually say, by the way, price increases are coming thick and fast at the moment. And if you sit on this for two weeks, you say half the time we're finding out we've had price increases after we've had the price increase. So I cannot be 100% sure that you're going to have, that if you come and decide an order next week, that you're going to get exactly the same price. You say you probably will, but you might not. And that is completely true. Well, and over the last couple of years, it was a price increase every other week, it felt like. So exactly. you're having those conversations constantly. And I think going back to normal times, hopefully that's not something that we have coming over the next couple of couple of years. But yeah, but you see what happens. And I think that, you know, again, that 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 really helps people get into the frame of mind of getting to a decision. And, and I think that other, other times, you know, these things can just drag on. And it's no good for, for the client. It's no good for the, the builder who's building the house and wants to know where the plumbing is and all that sort of stuff. And it's also no good for the for the business who's going to be putting in work and work and work over over in all the revision. So yeah, those price increases were were fascinating over the last couple of years. A bit of a nightmare. But yeah, it, it does just help bring uh, bring things to a point sometimes, doesn't it? It is interesting that you have to kind of apply a sales technique to convince the customer that you're telling the truth about something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That you have to, part of, there's, there's a barrier you have to overcome is their natural suspicion. And I think that is, well, it's quite a sad thing really that, that this might be the image that parts of this industry certainly have out in the wider world. I think a part of this for me is what exactly it is that you're selling is a big part of whether or not you're a salesperson. Because if you think of yourself as selling product, then fair enough. But actually, I think for a lot of independents, and I would probably put you into this bracket, Johnny, is what you're actually selling is your design service as opposed to the product. And therefore, the design skills sort of sells itself. Is that kind of, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it's the design service, but it's, it's also that customer experience. It's the guarantee of outcome. So, you know, if you look at us, what's the likelihood that that design on paper that they see, what are the, what's the likelihood they're going to get it in the end? And, you know, the irony of the tool is actually the design service for a lot of kitchen companies, especially independents, is free. So a lot of the skill set that we show off or, or, or kind of start with is actually almost the free part, which is all given away before you actually agree that you're working together. So it, it is the start. It gets the ball rolling. It gets things underway. But I think it, it doesn't stop there. It's, it's the whole experience the whole way through. And if you have a company which is good in front of the customers at the beginning, but also can carry that through all the way to the end and then also aftercare, then um, you can actually be really confident in those meetings where that you are the right uh, solution for them. There's a certain irony, isn't there, that we hold design rightly in in very high regard and don't charge for it and hold 
sales skills in very low regard. And that's the only thing that really makes the difference. Yeah. <laughs> and also all of the, you know, the great designers that get listed for the upcoming KBB Review Awards, I believe, coming in April. You happy with that? that that's right. They've all sold. They've all sold that design. So they're actually probably very good salespeople as well. So it's, it's almost like they should be, you know, the design and sale award winners <laughs> because they've done, they've done both, haven't they? But we all know that's not a trophy anyone would want to win in this industry, so that's the problem. <laughs> they see it as an insult. Look, thank you both for your time, gents. The clock's beating us a little bit, but as always, I think we've probably sorted that out now. That's a problem solved. <laughs> the industry never needs to talk about this ever again. <laughs> Until the next time. So, Johnny, Toby, thank you, and we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Andy. Thank you both. Cheers. That was Johnny Wing and Toby Griffin. Thank you so much to those two for their insights as always. It's a really interesting question, isn't it? And as I said in there, there's nothing black or white about it. What's really fascinating, I think, is this idea that sales is something that is looked down upon in most independent retail businesses or from those people who design, but clearly you can't have one without the other. Remember what I said about being a hair's breadth away from selling out at the awards? Well, make sure you're booking your seats if you haven't done it yet. It's kbbreview.com forward slash awards. And who knows what the situation might be by the time you get there. Good luck, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.